Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with your Houston Texans. Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium, which in a couple of nights will be buzzing with Texans and Cowboys preseason finale right here on the field at NRG. And then a couple of days after that, the Advocare Texas kickoff with Texas Tech and Ole Miss. I'm Mark Vandermeer, joined tonight by Drew Doherty. How's it going, Drew? It's great, Mark. How you been? I've been very good. You know, we had the Texans kickoff luncheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the had, MC. Yeah, I was the MC, and Vanderkid actually helped out with Kid Reporter live, which was. I'm not going to say I was a little nervous about it, but uh, he did very well. I thought. I know. Actually. I I asked him. I said, Are, "Were you nervous?" He's like, "No." So it makes me wonder, like, does he have something off? Like, is there a screw loose? No, no, he's, I don't know what it is, man, because he's done a lot of Kid Reporter things on video, but that's a very different deal in studio, as you know. You know, you get up in front of a big room of people. It's a totally different Mm -hmm. dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I was thinking about this, because if you say something, I don't care if you're emceeing something for 20 people or 200 or 1,000, if you say something and get a laugh, and I know you have this, right, Mm -hmm. and you get a laugh in a room. It's so great, right? Sure, and the sure. feeling, you understand what comedians must feel, like the good part. Yeah. And the bad part sometimes, too. But you understand what they must feel when you get a laugh. And then, you know, when you're doing a line on TV or you're doing a line on the radio, it's like, was it good? Was it not good? Somebody might be giggling in their car. You don't know it. Yep. So you just have to have faith that hopefully it went over well. There's people out there right now that'll giggle at some of the stuff we do. There's other people that are just rolling their eyes or other people yes. that'll hit the dial. There are other people that Don't do like, that. Who are these morons? So, yeah, yeah, you know how it goes. Well, that's that's just it. And uh, yep. and so he, he got up there and asked uh, questions to Watt, Watson, DJ Reader, and Bruce Ellington and did a nice job. And I'm so I'm worried about my career now. Actually, uh, now that my 12 year old is doing <laughs> this got, stuff, he got these guys singing. He got Zach Cunningham, yep. and Christian Covington singing. Those guys have good singing voices. Yeah, that was that boy, was fun. they do Cunningham, Cunningham especially. Yeah, I saw that back in May. We did uh, a get to know with him. Yeah, and he was singing like John Legend and yeah, just acapella. It was it was very impressive. Yeah, the players went out in the in the crowd with the mics to get mm-hmm. those guys to sing acapella. Mm-hmm. So that worked out really well for them. And we saw a Get to Know compilation. Yeah, As you mentioned, mashup, you just yep. shot Get to Know uh, this offseason. You're going to continue to shoot those in the during the regular season, though, right? I think so. We loaded up, got a bunch of them done in May. They're very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I that's what they are. A right? bunch of food cooked for uh, – a bunch of desserts cooked for J.J. Watt. We did yep. that. It aired on Texans Buzz this past weekend. And um, it'll be up in a little bit in the next few weeks on uh, our social and, and – digital media and all that stuff. Okay. Buzz is going to premiere the night before the Patriots game, September 8th. Had a taste of it last Saturday. Yeah, a little taste, a little fall preview, if you will, of uh, different Texans programming, actually. Mm -hmm. And now you have the Cowboys and the Texans on Thursday night to wrap up the preseason. All right. I am in the oppressed minority of people who really like the fourth game. Right. I really do. I love the storylines. I love the fact that, you know what, the starters, I don't care about the starters in the preseason, really, for the most part, just as long as they're ambulatory. Yeah. Not in an ambulance, but ambulatory, meaning they can walk after the game. They're not injured. That's what I care about the most with the starters. It's the other stories I want to see, and I think Game 4 presents that opportunity. Yeah, you're. it's natural for you to be interested in this because you're invested in these guys. You've been following all 90 of these guys since May, since yeah. June, during August. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you've seen and gotten to know a lot of them. I mean – you got a lot of content to fill. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of content to fill. So invariably, you're you're talking to most of these 90 players, yep. and only 53 make it. Get Bill attached. O'Brien has talked about this every single year he's been in charge. Gary Kubiak talked about it before him. Mm-hmm. I think you can go to every coach in the NFL. They're all going to say the same thing. This is one of the worst weeks because you're essentially cleaving yeah. off half of your roster here yeah. on Saturday. And there's a lot of good guys. 
that uh, are going to going to get snapped up by other teams and a lot of guys are going to you know find their way out in the world and it's it's understandable yeah. you, you know for you to be invested now the average fan kind of pops in pops out doesn't really care obviously but you know we have been around these guys so it's you understand you can't empathize but you can sympathize a little bit with right. what they're going through I think you know the good thing about the preseason is what we just said about these stories and guys fighting yeah. for their careers and also the fact that football on television and live is, I think, more than any other sport, a game that you just like to watch no matter who's playing. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to watch the game played. Hopefully it's played at a high enough level. Yeah. But you want to watch the game being played. And I'm not going to say the players don't matter, but they don't matter as much as some other sports would make it. Like the Texans are going to take on the Cowboys. Now I know these aren't the starters versus starters, but, man, it's the Texans and the Cowboys on the field. So, like, I don't want to oversell the game, but, you know, people are going to be watching, and it's always huge television ratings when these two get together. And it's looking like you're going to get a, a good look at some of the rookies that you haven't seen as much of. Yep. Martinez Rankin's going to play probably. He's got to play well, too. Kiki QT will probably play uh, against the I would think so. The Cowboys. So, and that's fun because this guy – you and I saw him. You know, the general populace hasn't, but yep. this guy is a player. And this guy has got – we've heard all about the speed. We've heard all about the shiftiness, all that other stuff. He's got hands too, man. Yep. He, he's he got really, really good hands. All right, so when they drafted him, mm-hmm. were you very familiar? You're you're formerly uh, of yeah, Texas Tech. Yeah, I worked Tech, out not, there for four years. Yeah, you covered um, the team very closely. And, you know, I still got some great friends out there. And they all when, – when he got drafted – they, I checked in with them, and they're like, "Oh man, this guy's a player. He's tough, great, yeah. great guy. You're you're gonna love him. He's he's a good player. I think he starts in the slot if he's fully healthy and yeah. has had enough time. Now maybe that wouldn't happen in time for New England, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've heard that before from other Texas Tech players, and they haven't really, aside from Welker and Crabtree and, mm-hmm. and a few linemen, they they've kind of it's kind of been sparse in the league lately from yeah. Texas Tech. But this guy. I mean, that first weekend he was here, he was catching bullets at point-blank range, you know, with one hand at times. And it was really, really impressive. I got to tell you, I'm not putting him in this class. But as far as how they looked at rookie camp, my first impression, Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kiki QT. I'm not not exaggerating. No other rookie receiver I've seen has come into rookie camp and made me go, Wow, that guy yeah. looks really good. I mean, Andre Johnson didn't even look as good as DeAndre Hopkins did because Andre, we the story's well documented, catching passes from left-handed quarterback Dave Ragone. It was weird, <laughs> the rotation, whatever. I think Hopkins came into the league with more polished hands, if you will, than Andre Johnson. That's not saying anything bad about Andre Johnson. He's a Hall of Famer. But to me, Kiki QT, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good as those two guys because right. they're phenomenal, but I think he's got a chance to be really good. You know, you bring up a really good point that hasn't – I don't know that we've ever really talked about I know you and I have never really talked about it, and I haven't heard anybody else, but Hopkins is still, for me, the most impressive guy earliest on. Yeah. He really, I mean, he's the very yeah. first practice, he was he was doing those one-handed grabs that yep. we, we've seen so much of. I mean, I don't recall many practices where I haven't seen him make a catch where I don't, I don't go, whoa, or yeah. holy cow. I mean, that's right. a routine thing, and then it happens in the games. That's not a special thing to him. It's special, but it's not special to him. He does it on a regular basis. He does the extraordinary mm-hmm. on an ordinary basis, on a regular basis. Are you watching Hard Knocks at all? Because uh, I, Clips, not right, much. The, the Browns are entertaining, and they had, Jarvis Landry's part of the Browns yep. now. They had a compilation of Landry making one-handed catches. I think it was episode one, and I was thinking – 
Landry does all that. You know, Landry, because the Dolphins are never on, it just feels like. Right. I mean, I'm doing Texans games, or so are you. So you might not see some of these teams no, he's unless they're on national yeah, television a lot. He's a really good player. And the, the little session he had in the wide receiver room was legendary <laughs> yeah, where he that, talked yeah. everybody up. Yeah. yeah, you saw that. But uh, my point is this. The one-handed catch so in vogue, and Hopkins is one of the guys who really popularized it along with Beckham and a few others. Sure. So uh, he's – and not that you have to catch the ball one-handed to be great – but it's just one of the things he does. And please don't play on Thursday. He won't. He'll be ready for New England uh, September 9th. That'll be good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're looking forward to Thursday first and then preparing for the Patriots. Now, the roster will be cut down on Friday, as you said. And that luncheon, by the way, today, great luncheon presented by Amogee Bank of Texas, yeah. benefiting the Houston Texans Foundation. And since its inception, $30 million raised. I mean, just really amazing stuff. But. Let me talk about this for a moment. It's a little bit of an awkward situation, and Bill O'Brien is is definitely keyed into this. You hinted on it. Sure. He's up there talking to, I don't know, seven 800 people, and he's got 90 players among the crowd, and every player at a table, or yeah. a, every table as a player, however they work it out. And then you have 37 players who are going to get cut on Friday. Mm-hmm. And he knows that. He's sensitive to that when he's at this lunch because he knows they've all busted their butts for him and for this team and for a chance at the NFL. And, you know, 10 guys make the practice squad, but maybe not all of these guys that they cut. And some and guys will be, be even coming more, back later. And there might be more cuts from this team because you're picking up yeah. guys off of other squads about that you want that? to add. So you, you never really know. But, but yeah. basically, yeah, 40 guys are going to be gone. Right. They're, you know? they're going to be gone, and it's just really going to be tough to see it. And also, for some players on Thursday, it's their last football game ever. Yeah. Ever in their life, you know, they got to move on. Some of these guys, yeah, I could go out in the spring, I could try out for the spring league or try out for the NFL again. But guess what? I also probably have to get a job of some sort. Mm-hmm. I might have a wife and a kid or whatever, and I just got to move on. And it's got to be a really difficult thing. I think it's such a hard business that way. You know, all of a sudden you're 24, 25 years old, and even if you've been in the league for a couple of years, you know, guys retire all the time. And I just saw Steve Slayton today as a Texas ambassador. I sat at ambassador. the table with him, yeah. Oh, was, you did? Yeah, with him. Great to see him. Mm-hmm. I love Steve Slayton. But, you know, he had to end his career so early because of injury and everything. It's, yeah. it's very painful. Yeah, his uh, his second year was my first year, and he was coming off in 08. Yeah. A ph- phenomenal rookie season. Yeah. There was, there was going to be there were high hopes for him. And then he had the problems with the fumbles, the problems with the, the neck injury. Mm-hmm. But he's doing great. I mean, he's doing great in life. He's going back in a few weeks to West Virginia. They're going to put him in the uh, Athletics Hall of Fame. Oh, he was that's talking beautiful. about that, deservedly so. I mean, he was he was amazing there for the Mountaineers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you. You and another thing about that, you go from a livelihood where adrenaline is such a huge component of it. Yeah. To are you going to have that? You're, you're not going to have that adrenaline in your next livelihood. But are you going to have any? And it, that's that's know. a big adjustment. That's a big, big adjustment. I, you know, you got to find it somehow. I always tell young people. I tell young people, Drew, you got to find your passion in life. You know, whatever that is, and whatever gets you out of bed in the morning. Because if you get out of bed in the morning and you're like, oh, uh, I, I don't just, I don't think that's good. Now, not everybody has has the ability to do that, the opportunity to do that. But this is a country where I think everybody's got a shot to do that. Yeah. just about. So you want to see people rise to that. And I am one of those lucky people where I get up every morning and I just love what I do. And I know you're the same way. So I hope for the best for everybody who's going to lose their gig, if you will, on Friday. Now, a couple of other things. 53-man roster. John McClain wrote about this. Mm-hmm. You've done a ton of interviews with this guy. You've gone fishing with him twice. Shane Leckler, what if this happens? I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I think there's a chance that it does happen, so we all have to be emotionally ready for it, including but not limited to Mr. Leckler himself. Well, I, 
you know, it's a good question. I wonder. I I think he's punted so long that he's he's very realistic about things. But mm-hmm. I you also got to remember, and he brought this up himself, and this is what I always fall back on: how good is your worst punt, or how yeah. bad is your worst punt? Right, right. And that's or you're only as good as your worst punt, or something yes. like that. And you know, we know kind of where he is on that because yeah. he's he's very very consistent. Where where are you on that? With Trevor Daniel. You don't, I don't know. know. It's don't know. the unknown. It's it's a great point. Beyond everything else, yeah. that Leckler is going into the Hall of Fame, yeah. that Leckler is phenomenal, that Leckler, Leckler is consistent. Maybe Trevor Daniel is awesome, but the thing is, you don't really know over the course right. of the season until he's in pressure situations. You're at New England. You didn't get the first down. He's in the back of the Texans' end zone needing to get you out of jail. Can he do it? You know, with Leckler, it's like, I've been in this situation yep. – 400 times in my career because I played for the Raiders. as they come. Yeah, and now you have Trevor Daniel, a rookie, trying to do this. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it. Right. He might be great at it, but you just don't know. You don't have any track record there. And there's a, a leadership aspect with Leckler that probably, I don't know that it's it's recognized, but he's obviously the leader there in that special teams room. Yeah. But he mingles well with the rest of the team as well. He really does. The stars on offense, the stars on defense. The rank and file, so to speak, as well. So, and he's a bit of a coach. You know, he's amassed so much knowledge in this time that right. he's a good guy to have around. So, I'm, I mean, if you have a question yeah. about being a pro and what it takes, yeah. you're going to go ask Shane Leckler. Mm-hmm. Ask Shane. He could do a column. Ask Shane Leckler. <laughs> dear Shane. Hey, instead of dear Drew. Just kidding about that. You do a great job. That's going to be a big I'd one right it. there. Uh, where are you at with wide receiver here? Because I think that I've got him keeping six. I think it's going to be really tight when you get to that – fifth and sixth spot. In fact, I think the top five is pretty easy to identify. I think that sixth spot is hotly contested right now. Yeah. If there um, is a sixth spot, by the way. Right. You got to first you have to ask that question and mm-hmm. then it's do you do you take a chance on one of these these young bucks? These undrafted free agents. I, yeah. I think people need to rip, keep that in in mind when this comes up this week. Mm-hmm. Okay? The, one of those guys could sneak in. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some surprises. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think uh, Hopkins, Fuller, QT, Ellington, mm-hmm. and Coates. I think you pencil yeah. them in. I think Coates is a lock, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's played really well. Yeah, he really has, and I think he can return kicks for you if you need. But Pope probably so, is the guy. So can Ellington. Ellington can. You know, Ellington. Ellington can makes, do so. Ellington much for just you. makes plays. For you too. I, mean, I think he's a playmaker. There was a time where I thought, well, what if QT would take his spot? Would they? But I still go back to this. I think Ellington's one of the four best receivers on the team. And you can play both those guys. Yeah, no matter where you put them. Because both those guys are capable of making plays. Right, and who's to say everybody's going to stay healthy for the entire exactly. season? So exactly. you need as many great players as you possibly can, as many good players as you possibly can acquire. A little bit more on this also. Making the rounds is the scheduling of games. Because the preseason is always a hot topic during the preseason. The format, what do you need to do to improve it? Well, what about an 18-game schedule? There's a lot of talk, and Drew and I are going to decipher it all, dissect it, and give our own ideas. It's all coming up on Texans All Access.
It's Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Vander Kid doing his homework after his kid reporter stint at the Texans kickoff luncheon today. Drew Doherty is here, and uh, we're hanging out. So we're watching our language around Vander Kid. No, we have clean language around here anyway. We're on the radio <laughs> Art for the cusser, huh? Yeah, I mean, we're trying no, to, uh, you know, we're doing a clean family show here. That's right. We always do. We always put that together. Clean right. family men. I'll get back to the Texans situation in just a moment because preseason game number four is Thursday, 7 o'clock kick with the Cowboys and the Texans. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this one on the schedule, by the way, I was okay with it because, all right, they'll play week five, but you're not playing any starters in this game. Right. So it's not like you're going to show anything. Right. There's no benefit as far as scouting. Now, the Raiders and the Rams got together week two of the preseason, and they open against each other on Monday Night Football. Yeah, but you're still, even then, it's you hear all these coaches say, and it's not just specific to Bill O'Brien, but you hear him say, we're vanilla on offense, we're vanilla on defense. And that yeah. was even the, the case last week in the third game, the mm-hmm. quote-unquote dress rehearsal. Because yeah. it used to be in the past you would kind of game plan more of that. And that's sort of fallen by the wayside. That's so much. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we only saw three series from the starters. It used to be you'd see three quarters from those guys in the third game. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, Johnny and I were talking about that. That's why the preseason is is such a hot topic. Well, it always is this yeah. time of year. Everybody's got their ideas on how to do it better. But now, with all these joint practices, with everything going on, you're seeing less and less. Now, as I said at the top of the show. In a way, I'm okay with that if you see a lot of these young guys play because that's what these four games are about. Mm-hmm. Young guys, find out who's good for your team. You know, you and I talked with Bill O'Brien during the TV production meeting last week, and he made the point that if you do go to 18 games, you're not going to get as good a look at some of these young guys who are bubble players, our words, not his, but some of these young guys who are fighting to make the team. And you really get to, get a chance to see through a four-game stretch. It's like a half a college season. All right, not anymore, but, you know, it's, it's a nice little chunk of games to see what these young players are all about. But you would think if that moved, and I, th- I know we're going to talk about it, if that move to 18 games happened and you didn't get as long a look in August, you would think that would kind of prop up the idea of... Bigger roster? No, a developmental league in the mm-hmm. offseason happening yeah. and being successful. I know we got two coming up in the next three or four yeah, years. Yeah, but at least one will fold. But one sponsored by or, or propped up by the NFL, I think, might like NFL Europe, you know? I, yeah. I think there's a... I always thought that was a there, necessity. There's a way to do it. There's a way to – the USFL, you know, that was probably the best product of them all, mm-hmm. I think, in that regard. It was. It was a pretty good product. And it I got, watched a lot of that stuff. It got submarined because of because of the business model. Yeah, because Trump wanted to take it into the fall. Yeah. And if, if you do it right – if you do the business model right, there's a there's a definite I agree. place for that. I mean – I agree. You do it right. You don't expect that much. Cover your costs. Make a little extra – Promote some brand, sell some gear, develop players, which probably, is the key. Probably play them in smaller stadiums, you know, like some of these MLS size stadiums that are pretty nice. But you know, keep them, keep them, keep the expectations managed. You don't want to put them in a yeah. in a palace of eighty thousand that's no, going to swallow up the, not gonna the look 16, 17,000 people. We well, go lower come. bowl only or something. I don't know. You yeah. figure it out. You know, but the, there's the, a, there's a there's a place for it because there's a lot of guys that. Mm-hmm. Still want to play, can play, and just aren't there yet. But there's people that could watch it and would watch the product at a lower price. It's, uh, anyways, I think I think the thing is you could develop quarterbacks. Exactly. You know? and exactly. Now, if you're a young, developing quarterback, it's so hard. You'd never know how many guys you've missed out on because they never got a chance to play, only in the preseason. And maybe that's not enough to show your stuff. I'm not saying Brady never makes it, but what happens if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt? Do they move on from Brady at some point? He goes to another team, and he goes to a bad team where he doesn't really c- well, catch I've, fire. I've long said that Brady, and I'm not, I'm not the only one saying this. 
Brady's was in the perfect situation yep. being with Belichick, getting that head injury. If Brady had been drafted in 2000 by those Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. I think Tom Brady might be selling insurance right now. You know, because wow. think, well, think about it. 2000, 2001, 2002, they're 5 and 11. Yep. They go through, they go from Troy Aikman to Randall Cunningham. And they have Dave Quincy Campos, Carter. the head coach. Yeah, Dave Campos, the head coach. Yeah. You see Anthony Wright in there at times. You see uh, Chad Ooh. Hutchinson, Drew Henson. Jeez. I mean, Ryan Leaf even played a little bit. I mean, he probably would have been the fodder in all of that, and he's not around a good team at that point. I mean, it's it's yeah. all about situation, and, and then he, he's changed too. But also think about this. Just two or three years ago, you and I, John Harris, DP, we were at the, uh, the Texans' house during the Super Bowl week. Right. Dick Vermeil came in and talked, and he talked at length about how if Kurt Warner had come along now mm-hmm. instead of back then in 99, 98, we wouldn't know who Kurt Warner was because he got to do and got to practice so much more and get so many more reps and get the opportunity. The CBA has kind of changed things, and that, and that's Ooh. and I'm not knocking the CBA. I'm just saying right. the opportunities would not be there now like they were then. So you're missing out on. There's guys out there that we're missing out on. That is a, a powerful statement. I forgot about that too with uh, Dick Vermeil saying that because Kurt Warner. Played in the Arena League and NFL right. Europe. He was all over the place. He's like Brian Peters. You know, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he finally makes it to the NFL. And what if Trent Green doesn't get hurt? I don't know. Yeah. But Warner comes in and he's the MVP. So it just shows you that. But Vermeil was emphasizing that, you know, the the green injury aside, the stuff that they got to do with him. In the offseason. Yeah. was There was yeah. so much more that they could do with him. And they, they saw it and they're like, oh, wait, this guy has something. Yep. Let's keep him on the roster and see what he does. And mm-hmm. then... The green injury did happen, and yeah, it's just that little spark you need sometimes. It all worked out for Kurt mm-hmm. Warner going to the Hall of Fame. My goodness. All right, so 18-game schedule. Right. And a lot of talk about, well, if you go to 18 games, you reduce the preseason to two games. Got it. Now, the preseason right now means every team gets two home games. So you get to fill your building, hypothetically, twice in the preseason. Yeah. Great. Now, if you go to 18 games, well, that solves that. Mike Florio, and this is not his idea. This is an idea that's been around for a while. Yeah, I've but heard. Th- yeah, I've heard this around Houston even. So. And that would be to sit every player twice. Well, you play eighteen, 18 games. You play eighteen games. Yeah. But of the fifty-three man roster, every one of those guys can only play sixteen games. Right. So, so nobody to, plays more than sixteen games. You'd have to expand the roster first yeah. of all. And I, I just I totally believe this because I'm not going to do the math right now, but it's going to be really hard to you know sit everybody right. as you need to. Now, you don't sit them all at the same time, obviously, but you know you're, you have to ro- go on a rotational basis. Can you imagine this? You'll have to buy special software, subbing software, sitting software. Yeah, you would, but if you're like the Patriots, mm-hmm. you say, hey, let's just play these first 16 with Brady, and he'll sit the last two because we're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to be getting ready for a oh. score run. You know, or yeah, what do if you you're in a dogfight, though, all of a sudden know, yeah. you're coming down the stretch like, oh, my gosh, we're not going to be able to sit them. So. It is an incredibly intriguing idea. It I is. Mean, it, it is going to – it's what's already a chess match. It's just nuked to the uh, the nth degree as far as that goes. All right, back to some of the nuances of it in a moment here. But when would you start – if you were playing 18 games, yeah. would you start Labor Day and go a week later? Would you start the week before Labor Day? Because they don't play on Labor Day weekend now. They haven't no, no, forever. No, 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 State – Stay the exact same starting time. Oh my god! The weekend after Labor Day, that gets you. That gets you to Valentine's Day. That gets your season to Valentine's oh Day. The Super gosh. Bowl. It, it extends the schedule. 
Because yeah. you'd still have preseason. Well, you're going to be playing. You're already playing in the winter in these buildings anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you'd play late January. You'd play the AFC Championship game, or the, let's just say the NFC Championship game in late January sure. at Lambeau Field, potentially. So you got to be willing to deal with that. You know, when they played the Super Bowl at the Meadowlands, right? They got a good weather day. The next day it was bad. Massive monster snowstorm that would have engulfed the Super Bowl. Probably would have moved it, potentially anyway. Well, but that they all you always hear about weather makes better ratings. Whenever you see Maybe snow on TV, worked. like football games on TV in the snow, yeah, they just get a, a jump from the casual viewer stop and say like, oh. Snow right, right. So everybody watching would have really enjoyed seeing us. But can you imagine a sloppy anecdotal. Super Bowl? Like oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I mean, know, you should keep them in keep them in domes or in the. I, I always think the Super Bowl's got to be a warm weather game. Sure, you know, especially when you're covering one. You're like, Rose why Bowl. am I in Minnesota right now? This year in Atlanta, not too bad. Thank you. We'll take it. Look, I would go to Siberia to play the Super Bowl <laughs> if the Texans are in it. So I don't really care from that standpoint. But we're just speaking in broad terms here. I do like an 18-game schedule if you're able to rest players or do something like that. If I would, if think, yeah, I would say if guys, you're going to do that, yeah, if you're going to do that, that 16 with the two off, that's intriguing. But then yeah. I think you probably ought to also build in a second bye week too if you're going to do it. Well, now you're playing like Easter or something. I think you got to start it a week earlier. No, you don't have to. But, you know, everybody says – February well, is the worst month of sports, Mark, and this kills that. This hmm. makes it – one of the best months of sport because you still have playoff football. I hate February. Really? Yeah. See, you know, I'm a college basketball I'm guy, not, but I know there's no intensity yet in February. You it's get March. Some, you know, I know pitchers and catchers have reported at that point, but still, no, it's, no, you pitchers know, it's, and catchers. It's yeah. We have the combine in Indy. We have so much fun. That's when it starts. Yeah, that's when it starts going. Now so. you'd have to move everything back. It, that would be cool. Look, that would be fine with me in many ways, but I still say you could play on Labor Day because now you have 18 games oh, yeah, and, like you, you said, can, double you buys. But if you do double buys and you start that weekend after Labor Day, you're chewing up February. Somebody once said, go 17 games and go to two buys. Go 17 yeah. games, go two buys. Now you have an odd number of games. I don't know if that's any good or not. You then know, you in can, college, then you, you can institute, then you can institute rivalry games every year. So you can play the Cowboys every Ooh, year. See, I like that. Although I've always said this about scheduling. If you're going to do the rivalry game thing, you have to be able to do two. Because too many teams have the same team as their rival for instance the new england patriots who's their nfc rival the giants but the jets have to have the giants as their nfc rival as well so you need two rivals so the giants would just have the jets and the patriots done the jets would have the patriots and i mean the uh, jets would have the giants and p- pick another one the eagles maybe you know wouldn't the, they have well, wouldn't, oh, yeah, yeah. the redskins would have the ravens obviously and pick an afc team now we're you know see we're running yeah, out of teams, yeah. so you'd have one that doesn't make as much sense, right? But for the Texans, I would love the Saints and the Cowboys, please, and I'm done. Yeah, you know? and I think the Saints would agree with that. Like, let's get the Texans and the Saints. I don't know who their other one would be. It'd have to be an AFC team. Yeah, it's, it's an opposite right. conference rival. Other if it's no, it, yeah, it would Saints, have to be an opposite conference. If it's Saints with Dolphins, maybe or yeah, maybe the Jaguars? Dolphins, maybe the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, the. See, the Dolphins would be, obviously, the Buccaneers. Right. And then I don't know what else you do with them. The Falcons, maybe? Yeah. Could be. The Jaguars would be, okay, the Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers would have Dolphins and Jaguars. So you get all the Florida teams playing each other. So I think two extra games, and those two are your designated rivals in the opposite conference. You just made me think of an in the lab I can do with John Harris. Oh, yeah. This is so in the lab. Where you contract the NFL 
by oh. half. Oh, gosh. And you join the rival teams together. So the Cowboys and the Texans are joined together. I'm going to throw up right now. No, but the rosters are – Oh, I see. So you have – Do you have to go down to 53 and cut people? I don't know. This is a whole new – we're going to bring this up. I'm going to bring this up with him. This Maybe in a, the offseason. This is good March fodder. Yeah, yeah. This really is. That's going to be the first offseason one. But I, I like the designated rival thing. I think that could actually work. Uh, and I like going to extra games. I mean, I love football. I want to see more. But I, after being, after going through what we went through last year with 78 players used on a 53-man mm-hmm. roster, an NFL record, mm-hmm. I always feel like when I'm in this building and I see what these guys go through in a 16-game schedule, mm-hmm. good or bad or indifferent, whether it's a winning season or a non-winning season, I always think this is enough. This is really enough. It's a lot of yeah, work for these I, guys. It's I don't know that we put that caveat out there before we started this whole conversation. Like it, it's so taxing. It is know? so taxing on these guys. And I, I mean, think that's why we brought up the you can't play more than sixteen. That's why that comes. Yeah, in. yeah. That's that a, that a, idea works in this somewhat universe. Palatable. Yeah. Well, I go back to the NBA. Right. The NBA basically admitted that eighty-two games is too much. And NBA purists will say to me, well, how are they doing that? I'm like, well, because you're resting players. Yeah. If you're resting guys, you're telling me that the schedule's too yeah. long. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, second night of a back-to-back. Again, schedule's too long. What that? It's 82 games is too many. That's what you're saying by resting players. Good point. Because in the NFL, you do not rest guys unless you've clinched. In the NBA, you and rest guys then, all the time. And even then, there's still debate about... Whether you should. Yeah, because do you want to lose timing? Do you want... I mean... There's a lot of times we've seen some of these teams that rested, had a bye, mm-hmm. they come out and they lay an egg. You know, they're it's tough. I mean, I think I think about the Colts in 2009. They did go to the Super Bowl, but they lost to the Saints, and they wouldn't have had they tried to go for undefeated. I still say that because had they done that, the Texans would have been in the playoffs that year. And win or lose, I would have taken a playoff appearance two years before they got there for the first time. Uh, yeah, I'd love that. You know, I mean that that was uh, that was really tough to take. I get into the bus. In Miami, the Texans just beat the Dolphins, and this is your first year with the Texans. Yeah. And then we're watching the Colts and the Jets, was it? Yeah, the Jets, and the Colts decide they're going to rest guys. So that was week 16. Yeah, yeah not 17, it was 16. Was, yeah. Week 17, the Colts are at Buffalo in the snow. They decide to start the starters, just start them, so they could get all sorts of records for starts and Dallas Clark gets a reception for whatever consecutive amount of games with a catch, stuff like that, and then they sit him down in the snow. And yeah. I'm thinking, that's great. Thank you very much. And then that night, like, the Bengals and Jets played? The Bengals and the Jets played. Right. And we needed the Bengals to win, but the Bengals already clinched everything they yeah. needed to clinch, so they were like, nah, we're good. And the Jets go out and beat them, right. and they take the spot. Otherwise, the Texans would have had the spot. Yeah. How about that? Ugh. I remember it. I remember it. Very painful indeed. All right, Drew. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Anytime, man. Great to have you listening tonight to Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer with you, and let's get to some things that Bill O'Brien had to say after the Texans kickoff luncheon today. Well, he was asked about 
making the cuts. And special teams, as you always hear the coach say, is a big factor in determining who makes the final 53. For instance, if you're the number one receiver, the number two receiver, that's one thing. But receivers three through who, however many you decide to keep, they, they need to contribute on special teams in some way, shape, or form. So, And you can say that about outside linebacker, inside, any position, corner, any position with the exception of maybe O-line and D-line. You know? So I think special teams is one of the biggest considerations when it comes to you know, basically, let's just say player 20 through 53. I say final 53 before that cut. There's no such thing. We know it's like an amoeba. It's always changing. Like we said earlier in the show last year, they had 78 players file through the 53. So it's always a fluid thing. And here's Bill O'Brien with more on the process behind the roster. It's by position. You know, it really is. If you look at the offensive line, a lot of it has to do with versatility. Um, You know, if you look at uh, other positions like, you know, wide receiver, corner, linebacker, it, it has a lot to do with special teams. You know, where are they on special teams? Can they be a core special teams or at least three out of four, uh, you know, special teams units, are they contributing on three out of four? I think, I think that that's, it's by position and you, and you try to look, you, you really look at the, at the player and, and how the player has improved and how they've uh, been able to perform on the practice field and in the games. And you try to make the best decision for the team. One thing that's going to be going on Friday in the national football league is sort of a mini draft off the waiver wire. A lot of players are going to be available if the Texans are cutting 36, 37 players, whatever the number is, all these guys are available to other teams, and the Texans are fourth on that waiver wire, so you know they're looking for opportunities as well to strengthen their team. They have you know, a projected list, like, hey, this may, and they've been looking at guys and, and uh, watching you know, you know, thousands of guys, to be honest with you, to see uh, what may happen um, relative to what teams m- may do. You, that's where... You know, I could be up here all day because it is a great question. That's where your knowledge of each team is very important. You know, what is that team's strength? Where where do their where are they overloaded at a position relative to, you know, where maybe they need somebody at a position? So who might be released from that team? You know that you, you know we may want to take a look at that. That that takes a real comprehensive knowledge of. 31 other teams in the league. Also after the Texans kickoff luncheon today, Bill O'Brien talked about what he's learned about this squad during the preseason. I think that there's good chemistry. I think that uh, they're a team that uh, seems to get along pretty well, if that makes sense. Um, I think they work hard. I think they work very hard. Um, they do everything we ask them to do. I mean, they, they, they don't go into it with blinders. They ask good questions about why we're doing things. And as coaches, we, we do a good job, I believe, of telling them why. But I think that they work very hard. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a locker room of uh, high-character guys. And the Texans will wrap up the preseason on Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Will the starters play? It depends on what you qualify as a starter. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you'll see some guys in there that uh, could end up uh, potentially starting games for us in the regular season, yes. All right, let me get out the Bill O'Brien translator here. That last one especially, that says to me, potentially starting some games? Yeah, there are certainly some guys who could potentially start some games. That's the whole idea of this fourth preseason game. You want to find some diamonds in the rough or whatever. Certainly second-level guys will play. Guys on the second line of that depth chart, maybe even some starters. Maybe Martinez Rankin plays, and maybe he ends up starting 
for the Houston Texans at some point, even this season. We'll see. The cream's going to float to the top. If Rankin's really that good at tackle, and Johnny said he saw some good stuff, and the coaches were very happy with what they saw last week in practice. I made this point last week. They were happy with what they saw in practice, and there were no padded practices. And then they have not play in the game, and it wasn't perfect, but what do you expect? I mean, the guy's getting his first taste of NFL action with his teammates. He was in rookie camp. He got hurt. This is his first taste over the last seven, eight, nine days, and now you have him in the Cowboys game. I assume he'll play in that game, but we'll see. And that's part of the drama, and I do say drama for a reason. It's going to be fun to be in the booth on Thursday night. Now, I did mention this, I think, with John Harris last night on the show that in 2002, David Carr played in that fourth preseason game against Tampa Bay, got hurt. He tweaked an ankle or something. Obviously, he played in the opener a week or so later. But he did play in that final preseason game, and it brought up another topic because I just had a mini-meeting here as we're putting together one of those 53, you know, the 53. We have that video series, Dylan Cole. You've seen a bunch of them so far. Watson, Hopkins, we've done them on various guys, Covington and Vancouver. Anyway, we're doing one on the inaugural game, and every once in a while we have to do one on this because it's a big part of the history of the franchise. And with Dallas coming in on Thursday, it's a good time to talk about it a little bit. Also, Dallas coming in week five. It's only the third ever visit for the Cowboys to NRG Stadium in a regular season situation. The two teams have met numerous times in the preseason. In fact, they did meet in the preseason prior to the last time the Texans took on the Cowboys in the regular season here at NRG. Of course, there was the 2014 matchup up there in Big D at Jerry World, but in 2010 was the second ever matchup between the Cowboys and the Texans at NRG Stadium, and it was a big loss, right? Now, earlier, it was in the preseason, the Texans beat the Cowboys in Week 3. It was a Week 3 game, the starters play the most, blah, 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 and the Texans beat the Cowboys, and it was a rousing night for a preseason game. I mean, it really made us feel pretty good at the time. Little did we know the Texans would have a very tough season at 6-10. and 10. And one of the losses early was to the Dallas Cowboys. The other loss early was to the Giants. Those two teams are coming into NRG back-to-back this year, basically. Well, back-to-back with a game sandwiched in between, just like it was in 2010. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it this time. I think it'll be a whole lot better. But that was a Texans team in 2010 that had a lot going for them. They were coming off a winning season for the first time in franchise history, a lot of high hopes going into the year, and then they end up losing to the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants early. Now, they did go 4-2 and two to start that campaign, but we all know what happened. They went 6-10 and ten to finish, only won two games down the stretch. The defense melted down. Cushing missed the first four games with a suspension. D'Amico Ryans got hurt in Week 6. Don't get me started. I don't want to think about the past. Let's think about the future, and the future is Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans playing good football against the New England Patriots one week from Sunday. Now, a couple of items here. National perspective from people who are covering the Texans at the Greenbrier. The first one is from James Palmer from NFL Network. John Harris and I caught up with him fieldside at the Greenbrier, and he had this to say about why he was coming in, why the NFL Network really kind of dug an early foothold at training camp, and, of course, Deshaun Watson was a big part of the recipe. We've got a small sample size of what he can do, and I think that super small sample size of what he can do was that four games with, with Will Fuller and Hopkins at the mm-hmm. same time. I mean, 16 touchdown passes in that stretch with, what, I think Fuller at seven, Hop at six. Like, yep. I mean, I think we all got a taste there, and, and I think you get a chance to see somebody – you know, playing the position a little bit different than some of the other guys do it. And, and I think this league, 
you know, we're in kind of a transition period. You know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers still all playing at super high levels. But you got to know that there's going to be another group of guys that are going to be the face of the league coming in, and that's Carson Wentz, that's Deshaun Watson, that's you know Jared Goff. You know, so it's it's fun to get excited about these guys early in their career, and that's that's probably that's a big reason why we're we're, we're coming here. There's James Palmer from NFL Network talking about Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans offense, and here's Jenny Vrentis, MMQB.com. She paid a visit to the Greenbrier, and she had this to say about the Texans quarterback and the Houston Texans attack. Obviously what Deshaun Watson did in a short time last season was so exciting, so I think that's what everyone's interested to see, you know, coming off the injury um, and how much the offense will kind of open up. I mean, it's it's hard sometimes when a player's coming off an injury to take the normal year one to year two step, but... Um, they also have the opportunity now to kind of build the offense around him, knowing what he did last year. And so I think um, I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see just how the offense changes from with him in it from year one to year two. There's Jenny Vrentis from MMQB.com. All right, a lot about the Texans' offense and Deshaun Watson, a lot of excitement there. But I'm here to tell you that the Texans' defense, I think that the defense might be higher ranked in total defense by the end of the year than the offense is in total offense. Does that make sense? I'm not saying they're going to grab more headlines. They might, though. They might, and I don't think everyone should freak out about that. I think that when you look at this defense being number one in the league in total yardage two years ago, now they want to get way up there in takeaways this year, but if everyone stays healthy, boy, we've said that a lot this offseason, they're going to get a lot of takeaways they're going to get a lot of short fields for the offense. And I know offense is going to grab headlines. Watson's going to grab headlines. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Lamar Miller, whoever. They're going to grab headlines, no doubt, because they're going to be scoring the touchdowns. Although maybe the defense will find a way to get into the end zone. Should be a lot of fun. Obviously, need everybody to stay out of the hospital. That is step number one. All right, we're going to be on the air tomorrow night on the eve of the Texans preseason finale. A few notes on the preseason, though, before this gets away from us. Of course, we're live. Sports Radio 610, 7 o'clock kick, 4 o'clock Texans countdown presented by FCL Dental. Andre Ware's on assignment, so we're going to have D.P. Sidhu on the sideline and move Johnny into the booth, which is fun, especially for the fourth game because Johnny knows all these guys so well. It's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say in the broadcast booth. On the TV side, ABC 13, we've got Kevin Kugler, Spencer Tillman. going to be a good show on Thursday night. And in Espanol, We are on Mega 101. That is so cool to have that station, Intercom station, carrying our games with Enrique Vasquez and Gustavo Rangel. In fact, an hour before the game, not only do we do in English Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon on all our social media platforms and HoustonTexans.com, but on the Telemundo Facebook page, Enrique and Gustavo do a show in Espanol one hour before kickoff all season long. So if you don't know English, I don't know how you're understanding me right now, but that's a good place for you to check out Enrique and Gustavo on the Telemundo Facebook page an hour before kick. How about that? How about that for a little promo for those guys? Anyway, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Really enjoyed being on, talking about things with Drew Doherty, the 18-game schedule possibility. I don't even know if it's a real possibility, right? I mean, I'd love to see 18 games of regular season football in many ways, but, geez, what a taxing situation. I think we did throw out some good ideas. The one reported by Florio today that a lot of people have had I think that's a good one to have players sit a couple of games, play 18, you play 16 of the 18, and the coaches have to figure out how to finesse that, if you will. Kind of more like baseball managers, sort of. That's going to do it for the program. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night, and go Texans.